I'm reading from the first chapter of the Gospel according to St. John, beginning at the sixth verse. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. In the late 19th century, when the church began to lose confidence in the Holy Scriptures, the church was no longer sure about what its mission was in this world. Without the firm bedrock of Scripture, the church was no longer sure about who God was and why Jesus Christ came into the world. The various churches had been divided on many issues, but almost all the branches of Christ's church knew that their mission was to make Christ known to the world. But now that the church was no longer sure who Jesus was and what he came to do, the church had to find some new mission to justify her existence. So the church became a place to teach good morals and manners, a place to make people better patriots and good citizens. The church became a social justice center, trying to free people from political and social oppression. And then finally the church became a rock concert or country music festival, depending on your preferences, a counseling center, a support group for those with emotional problems, marital difficulties, and substance abuse addictions. Finally, it became a place to hang out and play games, which became a pathetic excuse for genuine Christian fellowship. Yet in spite of all these so-called ministries, People are still leaving the churches in droves year by year, and the church is scratching her head wondering why people view the church as irrelevant. If we really want to know what the ministry of the church should be, we should look at the life of John the Baptist. In our study of the book of John so far, we have seen that this world is a place of darkness, moral and spiritual darkness that envelops the world a darkness that is found in the heart of hearts of every human being, so much so that men love darkness rather than light. Thus the failure of the world and the church to deal with its problems because the problem with human beings is that we love sin. But God sent his Son into the world to be the light of the world, a light in this darkness. And we are told here in John 1-7 that John the Baptist was sent to bear witness to that light, that light being our Lord Jesus Christ himself. And here we find the mission of the church. Our duty as the church is to testify, as John did, that light has come into the world in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just as John had been sent to bear witness of the light, we have been sent to bear witness of the light, the true light, Jesus Christ, who as the second person of the Holy Trinity has eternally had light within himself. We are sent to bear witness of who Jesus Christ is and what he came into the world to do. The story of John the Baptist is in many ways the story of 
of all those who believe in Jesus Christ. As we study the life of John the Baptist, we see how God prepared him to be a witness to the light. All the gospel accounts begin with some depiction of the life of John the Baptist. Matthew, Mark, and John record the preaching and ministry of John the Baptist early on in their accounts. As their gospels unfold, John the Baptist arrives on the scene preaching with great power. But Luke goes further back and begins his account with the miraculous events surrounding the birth of John the Baptist. While John's father, Zacharias, is serving as priest in the temple, the angel Gabriel appears to him and tells him that he and his wife Elizabeth will have a child. Zacharias and Elizabeth are old, and Elizabeth is barren. Nevertheless, God will do the impossible, and John comes into the world through a supernatural birth. In like manner, those of us who are Christians, those who are sent in these days to bear witness of the light, have been given a supernatural birth. We have been born again, born anew from above. We may not think that our spiritual birth is miraculous as the physical birth of John the Baptist, but it is even more so. Christians have been born again by the miracle-working power of the Holy Spirit. We are born with a sinful nature, with hard hearts that love sin. But when we are born again, we are given new hearts that hate sin and love righteousness. This is the amazing miracle that has taken place in the hearts of all Christians. And it is because of this supernatural birth that we can bear witness of the light of the world. We can testify with all the authority of an eyewitness in a courtroom that we have been born again. We have seen the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have been transformed by Christ. And he is continuing his transforming work in us. We have been united to Christ and we know him deeply and intimately. And we can testify just as surely as John the Baptist that he is the light of the world because we have seen that light. These glorious truths about Jesus Christ are no fable to us. Christ is real. The light has come into the world. And we have seen that light and we walk in that light and rejoice in that light. We no longer walk in darkness, but have the light of life because we have been born anew from above. When the angel Gabriel tells Zacharias that he will have a son, he describes to him how great he will be. Gabriel says, and thou shalt have joy and gladness. And many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, it is true that John the Baptist was unique in the history of the people of God. He was Elijah who was to come. He did go forth in the spirit and power of Elijah. He was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. But the mission of John is still the mission of the church to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. 
It is the mission of the church to preach the gospel the way that John did. John came preaching repentance, and it is through repentance that people are prepared for the Lord. The Lord comes only to those people who have been made aware of their sins, humbled for their sins, and desire to be delivered from their sins. It is so sad to see in our own time that the church has turned to so many other things to attract people, but has left the preaching of repentance. We think that if we preach repentance, that people will turn away from the church. Maybe so. But what we have tried in the last 150 years has not attracted people to the church. The church has made the mistake of thinking that if we become more liberal and accepting of sinful lifestyles, people will flock to the church. Exactly the opposite has happened. The more accepting and accommodating we become towards sinful lifestyles, the more people have abandoned the church and see absolutely no need of her. But when John preached repentance in the desert, the cities emptied and went out to hear this man call them a generation of vipers. They came to hear a man tell them that they were sinners and that they must repent or face the wrath of God. Why would people come to hear a man who was preaching that kind of message? Why did people turn from their sins and receive the baptism of John? It was because he was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. It was because the same Holy Spirit that gave power to the prophets of old, like Elijah, was residing in this man. And though John did no miracle, his preaching in and of itself was a miracle because his preaching prepared people to meet the Lord. John was a man sent from God, and he was sent with the power of the Holy Ghost. But the same is true of the church. We are also filled with the Holy Spirit. John was sent into the world in the power of the Spirit. We are also sent into the world in the power of the Holy Spirit. In John 20, verses 21 and 22, we read, Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Notice again that Jesus says he is sending them, just as the Father sent him, just as God sent John the Baptist. He sends these disciples out with the power of the Holy Spirit. And what does he send them out to do? He sends them out to bear witness. Just as John was sent to bear witness, we have been sent to bear witness. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. John goes forth in the power of the Holy Spirit to bear witness of the light. Jesus sends his disciples into the world to bear witness of the light, to tell them that light has come into the world. And what is the message that they will preach? It is the message that John the Baptist preached. In Luke 24, 46 through 49, Jesus said, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. 
and ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. There is the description of how we bear witness of the light. Bearing witness of the light is telling the world that Jesus Christ came into the world to suffer and give his life as a substitute for us in order that he might take upon himself the penalty of our sins. He came into the world to die and be raised to newness of life so that we might have a new life in Christ. And we see again the emphasis on repentance. People must repent. They must turn from their sins and plead for the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse them from their sin. That is bearing witness of the light. Telling people who Jesus is, what he came into the world to do, and commanding people to repent of their sins. And again, this must be done in the power of the Holy Spirit, or it will all fall on deaf ears. Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. John was endued with power from on high, and that is why his preaching was so effective and how he turned many to the Lord. And on the day of Pentecost, we see the church invested with that same power as the apostles preach in the power of the Holy Spirit and 3,000 people are converted. Why did all those people repent and receive baptism? Because the church had a great choir and a worship team? Because the church had a gymnasium and a bowling alley? Because the church had support groups for all the people with their troubles? Because the church had a great welfare program? Because the apostles promised that they would overturn the Roman Empire and bring an end to political oppression? No. They had none of these things and promised none of these things. They had one simple message. Christ has been crucified and raised from the dead. Repent and be baptized, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, just as we have received it. And after that message, people repented of their sins and joined the church. What a contrast between the power they had and the lack of power that the church has now. We beg and plead with people just to come to church. We try to attract them with all sorts of gimmicks. Please come to our church. It will be so much fun. We won't say or do anything to offend you. We won't preach at you. No, we will have a dialogue where we can discuss things and find out where we're both right and wrong. And no doubt, we have a lot to learn from you. You will have such a good time that we'll never mention sin, repentance, or the wrath of God. Please come. We'll give up our convictions. We'll give up all our beliefs. We will condone the lifestyle of your choice. Just please come. We won't impose our beliefs on you. As a matter of fact, you tell us what you want us to believe. And that is what we'll believe. All we are asking is that you please come. And we will roll out this red carpet for you. And after we've done all that, the people still won't come. That was not the message of the apostles on the day of Pentecost. Just the opposite. In our time, the church cries out to the world, Please come. What must we do to get you to come? On the day of Pentecost, it was the world that cried out to the church. What must we do? The fact that we are begging, 
rather than the world doing the begging just shows our spiritual impotence. The secret of John's success and the secret of the early church's success was the power of the Holy Spirit. And the church desperately needs to realize that the only way we can bear witness of the light is not through our programs, but through the preaching of repentance and faith empowered by the Holy Spirit. So John is filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. And then John disappears. Jesus disappears at the age of 12, and then we hear nothing of him except that he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man until he begins his public ministry. After John's birth, we read nothing of him except these words, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. Just as God spends 30 years preparing his son, God spends 30 years preparing John, the forerunner of the Messiah. John the Baptist is the great ascetic, living in the desert, wearing camel skin, eating locusts and wild honey. This is the way he was prepared to be the great prophet that he was. All that time that John was in the desert, he was preparing to be a witness of the light. He was not being prepared to draw people to himself. He was being prepared to point people to the light. He was being prepared to point to Jesus Christ and say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He prepared 30 years for what would be a very short career, something like perhaps two to three years. All that time, God was preparing his man to be a witness to the light. And when he emerged, people knew that a prophet was among them. It had been 400 years since God had raised up a prophet in Israel. Think of that. 400 years. Think of all the many men that were born during that time. As long as from the time the Pilgrim Fathers arrived on these shores until this time. And of all the men who were born, there was not a prophet in Israel. Israel had had Samuel, Nathan, Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and a host of others. But after Malachi, nothing. Even among the Jewish people today, there's a strong tradition that prophecy ended with Malachi. And many of them believe at the present time, prophecy will not be restored until the Messiah comes. But as Christians, we say that there was no prophet in Israel for 400 years. Many Jews today believe that there has been no prophet in Israel for over 2,400 years. The Jews have had many great rabbis and teachers to arise over those 2,400 years, but none of them have ever been called prophets. Since Malachi, the Jews believe that the only way that God speaks to them is through the written word of God, the Torah. Many of the learned Jewish rabbis believe that the loss of prophecy was a punishment for their sins, for Amos prophesied, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, and not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. They wouldn't find it because God was not going to raise up another prophet. We're not told precisely why prophecy ceased in Israel. But we know that 400 years after Malachi, a prophet did arise in Israel once again, and his name was John. 
And when he arrived, many people knew that finally God had granted them a prophet. In Matthew 14, 5, we read that Herod wanted to put John to death, but he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. All those years of preparation in the desert were worth it because when John began his ministry, everyone knew this was a man sent from God. As Christians in our own time, do people know that we have been sent from God? Does the world today look upon the church as a whole, as a holy people sent into the world from God? It would seem that the power of the Holy Spirit has been absent for quite a while, but we must not lose hope. The people of Israel had to wait 400 years for a man sent from God, but all during that time, God was preparing his people for the arrival of this man. For 30 years, God prepared John the Baptist to bear witness of the light. In a similar way, God prepares us to bear witness. We should look upon our entire lives as preparation to bear witness of the light. Our baptism, all the prayers, the moments of worship, the instruction in the word of God, the receiving of the holy sacrament. This is how God prepares his church to be a witness of the light. When we look at the life of John the Baptist, we marvel and we are filled with envy. Why can't God use us to be like John the Baptist? Why was he so much greater than we are? But John was not greater than we are. Remember what Jesus said about John? In Matthew eleven seven through 13, we read, And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, what went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. What a compliment Jesus gives John the Baptist. Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. But then he says this most amazing thing. He that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. How can that be? Well, we have to remember that everything that had happened in Scripture until the arrival of Jesus had been preparation. Moses and all the prophets had just been preparing the way for the coming of Christ. John the Baptist was the last in a long line of people, prophets, who had prepared the way for the coming of Christ. But now the days of preparation were over. Christ has come. The reason we are greater than John the Baptist is that we are not living in the time of preparation. We are living in the time of fulfillment. The Messiah has come. God in the flesh has come. Christ has died and been raised from the dead. The Holy Spirit has been poured out on the church. The kingdom of God has come. The age to come has been inaugurated. I say this reverently, but the church knows, or at least should know, 
far more about Jesus than John the Baptist ever did. You remember that John the Baptist, while he was in prison, even he had his doubts about whether Jesus was the Messiah after all, because he still had some false expectations about what the Messiah would do when he came into the world. But now we know the things about Jesus that John did not know. Remember, John the Baptist had no New Testament. We have the full revelation of God in Christ in the pages of the New Testament. We live in a time of greater revelation than John, so that even the least person living in these New Testament times is greater than John the Baptist. We live in a time of greater revelation and in the time of fulfillment. With that said, we should be greater witnesses to the light than John the Baptist was. We have been miraculously born again. We have been filled with the Holy Spirit. God by the Holy Spirit is conforming us to the image of his son. We have the full revelation of the light in the pages of the New Testament. Let us prepare ourselves as John did to bear witness of the light. Let us in our lives be the light that Jesus called us to be in holy living. As the apostle Paul said, wherefore my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. There we see the mission of the church again. We are to bear witness to the light, both in our lives and in our words. We are to be blameless and harmless, behaving as the children of God. And when we do that in the midst of this crooked, twisted, perverted nation, we stand out as lights in the world. We bear witness in our lives and we are to hold forth the word of life. We are to preach the gospel, proclaiming to the world that there is no life, no life apart from Jesus Christ. May God send us into this generation to bear witness of the light. Amen.